Welcome to Exaltation. This is Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true. This is the message of Easter. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Therefore, rejoicing in the peace of Jesus, go and tell a friend about him. Our scripture passage today is John chapter 20, verses 19 to 23. On the evening of that day, the first day of the week, the doors being locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When Jesus had said this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, Jesus breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. What thoughts and feelings come to your mind when someone speaks the word peace? Webster defines peace as a state of quiet or tranquility, freedom from disturbance or agitation, calm, repose, the peace of heart which is the gift of God. We speak of the Nobel Peace Prize, the Peace Corps, and the United States Institute for Peace to name just a few of hundreds of institutions promoting world peace. 
One Peace organization in Australia recently suggested that the answer to world peace is found in the slogan, World Unity Plus Inner Peace Equals World Peace. Not only did this group fail to define the terms of their slogan, but strongly insisted that peace cannot possibly come from religion. This is only one of many examples of modern man striving for peace on his own terms, without reference to the only one capable of providing peace, the Prince of Peace, the Lord Jesus Christ. Peace is a rich and comprehensive word which is a combination of three shades of biblical meaning. It means what we ordinarily think when someone uses the word peace, the absence of strife between people or groups. This is similar to what Jesus mentions in Matthew 5 when he says, Blessed are the peacemakers. Peace also refers to restored relationship with God. As the result of Jesus' death and resurrection, we are reconciled with God. We enjoy a restored and renewed relationship with Him. Romans 5.1 says, Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God. What does reconciliation and peace with God bring? It brings the experience of peace of mind and heart. In John 14, 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives do I give unto you. Let not your heart be troubled. The word peace in the scriptures is much deeper and richer than its common usage and denotation. It carries the richness of the Old Testament Jewish word shalom into the New Testament and is the equivalent of meaning total well-being from God. Not only absence of conflict, but complete reconciliation and union with God, peace with God, and peace within our hearts and minds, which promotes spiritual well-being. In Judges chapter 6, when Gideon was visited by the angel of the Lord, he was frightened and dismayed. The angel of the Lord said, Peace be unto you, Gideon, fear not. When Daniel saw his great vision in Daniel chapter 10, he was weakened in body and mind and became afraid. An angel of the Lord appeared to him, saying, O man greatly beloved, fear not, peace be unto you. From where does peace originate? How do we find it? Peace comes from knowing. What is the knowing that leads us to Jesus and his peace? Here we must make distinctions. There is the knowing that is common in contemporary society based on science. Scientific knowledge is information gained from the five senses, sight, hearing, smell, touch, and taste. The information we receive tells us about the created order around us. There's a famous Latin maxim written by the scientist Francis Bacon, scientia potentia est, which means knowledge is power. The more information we have of the created order, 
the more we understand the height and depth of creation, and therefore the greater our ability to be good stewards and managers of God's created order. God has entrusted the creation to man to cultivate, protect, and manage. Therefore, knowledge of the world is good and helpful information. However, it is not the knowing that leads us to Jesus and his peace. The knowing that leads us to Jesus and his peace is spiritual, experiential knowing. The essence of Christianity is not knowing information about Jesus, but knowing him in a real and personal way. It is not arguing whether Jesus rose from the dead or not. He most certainly did, and all the evidence points conclusively in that direction. But evidential knowledge is only a first step towards the true spiritual knowledge of meeting Jesus Christ in daily life and experiencing his resurrection power within us. Do you know Jesus as a real person? Have you received his gift of reconciliation with God? Is he at the center of your daily life? When the answer to these questions is yes, the result is peace. Tranquility, inner spiritual repose. Let's enter into the story before us in John chapter 20. Can you picture the disciples huddled together in an upper room? This is a critical moment in the history of the early church. Will the disciples rally and go forth to spread the Christian faith? For the moment, they are terrified to know that the Jews are seeking to crucify them just as they had killed their master. So the disciples are meeting in fear, listening carefully for every step on the stairs and every knock at the door. Notice that Jesus appears to the disciples at night, the time when fears and anxieties are most intensified. Jesus sees his own disciples. Jesus knows their fears. He cares deeply about them. As they sit together in the gathering gloom, suddenly Jesus stands in their midst. Peace be unto you, says Jesus. He says it twice, once in verse 19 and again in verse 21. The word Jesus uses is this richly instructive word, peace, which, as we have seen, has three layers of meaning. Absence of conflict, reconciliation and union with God, and peace of mind and heart which brings comfort and spiritual well-being. What is the disciples' response in verse 20? And the disciples therefore rejoiced when they saw the Lord. They were glad. They were filled with happiness. Seeing Jesus brings joy, a gladness, a joy that cannot be found in this world, a joy which comes only from experiencing his presence. This is a strategic and pivotal moment in Jesus' training of the twelve disciples. Notice 
that Jesus does not psychologize with the disciples. He does not put them in sharing circles to express their pent-up feelings. Jesus cures sorrow and fearfulness by reorienting the disciples to the importance of completing God's supernatural mission. Verse 21 says, Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. The disciples are missionaries of Jesus, even as Jesus is the missionary of God. Jesus has already commissioned his followers in Luke chapter 9, when he gave them authority and sent them out to do ministry. Now Jesus recommissions them to get their minds off of themselves and back onto God and the urgent mission before them. You are listening to Exaltation. I'm Father David Masterson bringing you the beautiful, the good, and the true, heralding the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we may experience life in Him. inclined to self-pity, to discouragement or fearfulness, the best antidote is to look away from oneself and serve others in the name of Jesus. When we focus on completing God's mission, our own problems do not loom so large. Do you realize that every follower of Jesus Christ is sent on a mission? You have an important job to do. It is accomplished and summarized in the phrase, Go and tell. We are Christ's representatives. We are His ambassadors. What qualifies us for such a mission? Seeing the risen Christ and receiving His peace and joy. Whoever has seen the Lord has been in touch with him and felt his heart filled with peace and joy, is the recipient of the Great Commission. This is why a true believer can never complain of being bored. There is something more we can always do, beloved. There is more to be accomplished in the mission. There is someone to talk to about Jesus. There is giving a Bible. There is a note to be written. There is a prayer to be prayed. Always more to do in loving and serving our Savior. Now, 
The verb tense in verse 21, where Jesus says, I send you, is very instructive. It means, I am at present sending you and continue to send you. What this means is that the Lord commissioned the believers before him in the upper room, and he continues to commission every true believer in whom he has placed his Holy Spirit. This is the meaning of the present continuous verb tense. If you are a true disciple and follower of Jesus, then you are his ambassador. Your only choice is to be a good and effective ambassador or a poor one who falls down on the job. Not only does Jesus give us a mission, but he equips us to fulfill that mission. Jesus imparts to his followers the gift of peace. He commissions them to go and complete the mission. Then he breathes on them and bestows the Holy Spirit upon them. Verse 22 says, And when Jesus had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive the Holy Spirit. The result was the power to complete the mission. Now, beloved, power is the byproduct of a relationship with God. It is not something sought as an end in and of itself. It comes from God through the person of the Holy Spirit. Power to complete the mission, power to live as God commands us to live, is not a commodity. It is not a thing received apart from a living relationship with the Lord. It is easy in our modern world to bring a consumer mentality to bear upon religion. Actually, this is a major pitfall of the modern church. God becomes the divine giver, and we are the human receivers of his spiritual commodities. True religion, true relationship and union with God is a heart relationship. It is communion. It is partnership with the living God, the Holy Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are each partners together with us. That should take our breath away. I ought to love the Trinity not because of the gifts he gives me, but because he is my very life. He is my reason for existence. It is my highest joy to love him and to give him thankful praise and adoration. More love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee. Hear thou the prayer I make on bended knee. This is my earnest plea. More love, O Christ, to thee. More love to thee. More love to thee. Jesus has prayed to the Father in John chapter 16 and 17 for the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now he breathes that Spirit upon the disciples so that he may express the life of Jesus through them. This is the role of the Holy Spirit, always to express the life of Jesus through the believer. Do you see how central Jesus is to the church? The church desperately needs her Lord and Master. Jesus is our head and he is our cornerstone. 
the church being sent by God needs a message and authority to declare that message. Without Jesus and his spirit, we have no commission, no message, no authority, no power, and no peace. But looking unto Jesus, seeing him, and keeping him in our minds, and receiving the breath of his spirit, we have commission, message, authority, power, and peace. This is why the church must keep the main thing the main thing. We must put first things first. C.S. Lewis said, The church exists for nothing else but to draw men into Christ, to make them little Christs. If they are not doing that, all the cathedrals, the clergy, missions, sermons, even the Bible itself is simply a waste of time. How do we accomplish that mission? How does the church draw men into Christ and make them little Christs? Through prayerful dependence upon the Spirit to produce the life of Jesus in us. It was the Spirit who hovered over creation in Genesis chapter 1 to bring life into existence. It was the Holy Spirit who miraculously birthed Jesus through the Virgin Mary in the Incarnation. It is the Spirit today who constantly opens our eyes to behold the living Jesus in the living words of Holy Scripture. This is why we publicly read Scripture in the service of worship, because it is the Spirit who opens our minds to understand and receive words from God and obey them. It is the Spirit who convicts us of sin and leads us to repentance and renewal. It is the Spirit who draws us to Jesus and nourishes our hearts as we receive his body and blood in the communion. But it doesn't stop there, does it? In Isaiah 43.10, we read, You are my witnesses, says the Lord, and my servant whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me no God was formed, neither shall there be after me. I, even I, am the Lord, and there is no Savior besides me. So you are my witnesses, declares the Lord. Because we know Jesus, and he has bequeathed to us his Holy Spirit, we are his witnesses. Look at verse 23. If you forgive the sins of any, their sins have been forgiven them. If you retain the sins of any, they have been retained. What does Jesus mean? These verses are not speaking of only a special class of disciples, but of all true followers of the Lord Jesus. We know this because Jesus appeared not only to the 12 apostles, but as Luke 24 tells us, also to those who were with them. In other words, Jesus appeared to the whole gathered band of followers of Jesus. Therefore, these verses are not restricted to only a priestly function of absolution, but mean that when any believing Christian proclaims the good news of the gospel to others, that proclamation has a twofold effect according as it is received or rejected. 
to those who receive the truth as it is in Jesus and repent of their sins, the Christian may gladly say to such a person, your sins are forgiven because you believe upon Jesus. To those who do not believe but reject Jesus Christ and his message, their sins are retained. The one who rejects or neglects Christ binds his own sins upon himself. This is what the Apostle Paul means in 2 Corinthians 2.16. For we are a fragrance of Christ to God among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. To those who are perishing, an aroma from death to death. To those who are being saved, an aroma of life to life. What a privilege! What a responsibility! We hold the treasure of the gospel in our hands and bring it to all around us. To the one who rejects Christ, the message is one of death. To the one who believes and repents, it is a message of life and peace. Do you feel the great privilege that is yours to be a Christian? God has appeared to you and given you his peace and joy. He has commissioned you on a great mission and he has given you the equipment you need to complete the mission. Beloved, our world is anxious to find peace. Peace between nations, peace within families, peace in individual lives. Peace comes from knowing and trusting Jesus as Lord of life. Peace is the result of the reign of Jesus and his kingdom over us. If you earnestly desire to know God's peace in your heart, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus Christ, I acknowledge that I am a sinner. I am sorry for my sins. I repent of my sins and I beg you to forgive me. Thank you for loving me so much that you died on the cross for me. Come into my heart. Take control of my life. Be my Lord, my God, and my Savior. Make me your disciple. Fill me with your Holy Spirit that I may love and serve you. Cleanse my heart from sin that I may live with you forever in heaven. I love you, Lord Jesus, and I give my life to you forever. Amen. This is the message of Easter. Christ is risen. Christ is risen indeed. Therefore, rejoicing in the peace of Jesus, go and tell a friend about him. Amen. You've been listening to Exaltation on the Voice of Hope radio broadcast. I'm Father David Masterson with Godet Ministries. You may reach us on the web at godetministries.org. That's G-A-U-D-E-T-E ministries.org. Simply hit the contact button and send us an email. We always appreciate hearing from our listening audience. Share a prayer request with us and we will pray for you. 
Until next time, may God richly bless you with this word of encouragement from the prophet Isaiah. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youths shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint.